Well, it's Sunday night, and we are through most of Week 15. Uh, it's been a wild week in the NFL as usual, so we still have three games left to get through this week, Monday night and two Tuesday night games. But um, I'm Eric Smith, Editor-in-Chief at QB List, and I'm joined, as always, by Mike Miklias uh, to catch you up on what we saw of an abbreviated Week 15 so far. Uh, lots of players missing through COVID, uh, lots of COVID situations. So I, I don't think we have as many big-time takeaways this week as we normally would. And uh, as we get further into the season, um, you know, we kind of know who the good fantasy players are at this point in the year for the most part. So uh, we're going to shift our focus a little bit this week. Um, and going forward, we're going to focus on some of these rookie quarterbacks, uh, the 2021 class of rookie quarterbacks, and just kind of give a late season check in as to how we feel like they progressed, uh, maybe some of their fantasy prospects going forward. But we thought it'd be a fun way to just kind of change things up as we wrap up the year. Um, so Mike started on a couple of those this week. So we'll get to those later. But Mike, how you doing? Uh, what do you think about this uh, interesting week 15, to say the least? Oh, yeah, it was fun. I, I love having uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Thursday games. You know, just every day NFL football, it's, it's pretty much a dream come true. And found out the Bears... The entire secondary is out with COVID and the entire coaching staff, except for one person's out with COVID. And of course, the one guy who's safe is Matt Nagy. So it's <laughs> bound to be great this week. Naturally. Yeah, it's hard to even keep track of all the COVID situations. People are going on it, coming back. Games are getting delayed, which allows some players to come back, but then other players go on to it. Uh, it's madness right now. This was definitely a week where you just start whoever's healthy. So um, yeah, keep keep an eye on all that going forward. Uh, these schedule changes also wreak havoc on our schedule as far as podcasts. So uh, look for our waiver wire podcast to come out a day later this week, most likely uh, Tuesday night, early Wednesday, because I believe waivers aren't going to process until Thursday, at least on Yahoo and some other sites. So um, we're probably going to stick with the same day for sit start, but lots of, lots of moving parts right now. So, uh, you know, the podcast will come out when they are most convenient as far as the fantasy league goes. So we'll be here to help you out for sure. So um, let's get into the winners and losers right up top here. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, fun running back names here for the winners. So Mike, start us off. Who's your winner this week? Yeah, we've all just eagerly been waiting for Duke Johnson to finally get his chance to run a backfield. We know if he did, he would just, you know, eat up. And of course, like <laughs> seven years after we thought it would happen, <laughs> 22 carries, 107 yards, a pair of touchdowns for the Dolphins. Uh, had a reception for 20 yards. Just he was he was the lead back, and again, it doesn't take much in Miami because Miles Gaskin isn't exactly a special talent. Um, I don't know how long this will last, but it's it's nice to see. I always like a little Duke Johnson blip on the radar. So. Yeah, it's 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 funny to see it happen at this point. Um, Dolphins obviously had like their whole backfield on COVID this week. Gaskin ended up playing, but Duke outsnapped him forty-one to twenty-six. Uh, didn't see any uh, Malcolm Brown. I don't believe he's still on injured reserve, although he practiced. Philip Lindsay was on COVID, so definitely a moving situation. But um, he did look pretty good. I mean, for what I caught, he was uh, he looked like a between the tackles goal line type back almost. So you think this is real at all with Duke Johnson for the rest of the season? Like probably worth an ad at least, right? Yeah, I think it's worth an ad. I, I always liked his talent more than Miles Gaskin. Ironically, he's, you know, always as a pass catcher, which he didn't do much of in this game. But yeah, yeah I, I think he offers something. He's still only 28, and he's never been worked that hard in terms of uh, a heavy load of carries. So if, if he pops up, you know, he's he's got the legs. He could do something. Yep, for sure. So, yeah, like I said, a lot of this stuff we're going to refer to the waiver wire podcast because uh, we'll see who all is healthy come Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. But um, Duke looks intriguing for now, for sure. So, 
Uh, my winner of the week, we joked about him on our Sit Start podcast, if you listened this last week, but Craig Reynolds for the Detroit Lions, I kind of had him as a borderline start option just because I thought there was a chance that he saw a major workload, and that's kind of all you need at week 15 in the fantasy football season. But uh, Craig Reynolds in a shocking win for the Lions, 26 carries for 112 yards. Uh, he saw 42 snaps, um, only 18 other running back snaps other than that. So, uh, you know, the Lions obviously have a couple wins and are, are stringing together some good games here, but they have zero reason to rush back DeAndre Swift. Uh, you know, even Jamal Williams, he's missed a couple weeks with COVID. There's really no reason to rush back a veteran like him. So Craig Reynolds for the rest of the season, uh, he's at least carved out a role for himself on this team. And uh, if you're kind of one of those zero RB type players, you could pick him up and maybe get another week starting out of him. So yeah, I don't know how fantasy relevant Craig Reynolds is going to be, but it's a good story. Uh, good to see this guy get some run towards the end of the year. So Craig Reynolds is my winner for this week. Uh, Mike, you still avoiding all Lions though? Well, we, we all have been eagerly waiting for the Lions to commit to their young running back. Yeah. And finally they did. They gave 26 carries. It was just to the wrong guy because DeAndre Swift obviously is out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. He's interesting if you need a running back. he Definitely you could do worse than that. And it's not a great team, but they've got some momentum. It seems like they like the coach here and a lot of good things about that. So that's a good sign. And it's always capable to create a little spark. Yeah, I think they've got uh, some good things going for next year. They, they still need to knock a couple picks out of the park in the draft. So uh, it's going to be tough at quarterback this year. doesn't sound like there's a lot of top options. They still may be stuck without a quarterback for a while, but I do kind of like the way they're headed. Um, there's definitely some uh, things they need to iron out, but they're playing hard for Dan Campbell for sure. So, um, yeah, let's give some uh, some props to the Lions here. They deserve it. Uh, let's get to our losers for the week. Mike, who's your loser for week 15? Yeah, I I, I should feel bad picking a Giants player, but I really don't because they're pretty <laughs> terrible. Um, Saquon Barkley, he was my choice here. Um, I almost went with their quarterback too, Mike Glennon, but Saquon Barkley, 15 carries, but 50 yards only and a fumble. He saw eight targets, but only three, uh, but only four receptions in 24 yards. Um, it's It's been a long time since Saquon's had a 100-yard game. Uh, it's... <laughs> It feels like a very, very, very long time since we saw old Saquon. And I'm sure he'll return at some point. But, yeah, it's it's not going to happen this year. And anybody who was hoping for that spark in the playoffs, I don't even bother. Yeah, and, I mean, it is starting to get to the point in Dynasty Leagues where if you can sell on that name value, it might be worth it. Uh, maybe the offseason people talk themselves back in. I do hope he gets back to his old self. But that's another team. They've got a big hole quarterback. And I'm curious to see what this offense looks like next year because if it – looks anything like this it's hard to even think about Saquon in a, a first round value uh, second round value maybe but um, I don't know it's getting tough with Saquon he's going to need to get back to that workhorse role because this offense is just not explosive at all so um, are, are you any more optimistic in dynasty leagues that's that's actually a good question I mean it depends so much on price but here's a here's a hypothetical for you if somebody offered you Saquon Barkley for your two first round picks in the rookie draft would you take it or no uh, if it's this year, maybe, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the first round picks are going to be that great this year, but, um, I, th I think generally I'd rather have the picks over Saquon. We just, these running backs, their shelf lives are so short. I just, I don't know if we're going to get back to that elite Saquon Barkley again, from a fantasy perspective. So I, I would be tempted to, to stockpile some draft picks. This, this next draft though, looks a little weak. So we'll see. I, I need to do, look some more into the 2022 draft class. 
Yeah, it, it's crazy how his value's fallen off. Because when he was at his peak power, you could say that the price would have been in the like, three or four first range, yeah. where I think you could have basically asked for anything and someone would have just happily paid it because they would have thought, like, this guy's going to be a 10-year player, just a stud like Adrian Peterson, one of those all-timers, and yep. it has just not worked out at all. Yep. And, uh, you know, obviously the injuries played a part of that. So um, my loser for the week, we generally try to avoid injuries here. Uh, mine's Julio Jones, but it's just a, a, a series of injuries at this point for Julio. So he played, uh, he got one target this game, uh, left with a hamstring injury. Uh, it's just his eighth game of the year. He's 32 years old now. It's just, it's getting to the point with Julio where it, it really looks like it's fallen off a cliff and we might not ever get back to that productive Julio season again. We'll see. Maybe he can rebound next year, but uh, at least for the rest of this year, I can't imagine trusting him in a game until we see a good game first and we're running out of weeks. So um, even if he does come back, I don't think we can play Julio again this year with any confidence and uh, drafts next year. you got to imagine he's a, a complete bargain late in drafts, but I don't even know if he'll be able to stay on the field enough to, to return value. So I'm pretty down on Julio at this point. It seems like he may have passed the point of no return. Um, we'll see how to the Tennessee offense looks next year, but uh, AJ Brown, you got to figure he's the number one for sure. And Julio may just be a complimentary deep threat at this stage of his career. So uh, you, like we were talking about before the podcast, you probably should have sold on him a couple of years ago. Um, I don't think the long-term prospects of Julio and dynasty leagues, there's anything left. So I was kind of hoping we could get some late season returns here with AJ Brown hurt, but we're not going to get that. So any thoughts on Julio or just this, this Titans offense in general? Yeah, I, I generally agree. I think I, I'd i be surprised if you could get a rookie first for him in Dynasty. I feel like everyone's sharp enough to the, the idea that he's basically done. And even someone hoping to pay for that one season is probably looking at giving you like a second, maybe even lower. Um, I, I Depending on that, like what, what cost is, he could be interesting next year as a late round flyer. You know, if, if, if he bounces back, he's just got the talent. But yeah, this team is fading a bit. And he's injured and he can't stay healthy. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm staying far away here. Yeah. And I mean, I suppose a, a third round rookie pick in most dynasty leagues is pretty low value. So I, I guess you could throw a, a low pick out there and try to get him. And uh, at worst case, he's usually in the IR and you can uh, free up a roster spot, but uh, yeah, it looks like we're a long ways away from Julio returning to a weekly fantasy starter for sure. So um, all right, let's get into injuries. Uh, the abbreviated list this week, but um, a bunch of them popped up in Sunday Night Football. We're recording a little later, so we're able to get to these. But uh, the Bucks had a, a rough night. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Leonard Fournette all left with injuries. Uh, a knee for Godwin, a hamstring for Evans, and hamstring for Fournette. Um, and then also Antonio Brown is expected to return in Week 16, it sounds like. So uh, if, if Antonio Brown is out there, uh, go bid everything you can to get him in waivers. But uh, for most of this, we're going to talk about this on the Waiver Wire podcast on Tuesday for more details. But, uh, Mike, wouldn't you say you're probably running out to pick up anyone you can in this Buccaneers offense? Yeah, if anybody's out here, everybody else becomes that much more valuable. So if if Godwin or Evans or both are out, as you said, Antonio Brown is just enormously valuable. He should just be the clear number one option unless you just stack their wide receiver. Um, Ronald Jones, if Fournette's out, is is a monster value at running back. Um, who knows if anything happens to Gronk, I'd go grab Braid or OJ Howard right away, you know, just because, yeah, I think every pass target here remaining is, is huge value if anybody's out. Yep. And I mean, Gio Bernard's on injured reserve. So, uh, unless they suddenly decide to want to play Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, yeah, it looks like, 
Uh, we could definitely be looking at a Ronald Jones resurgence here. So he's going to be a hot pickup, and I do think he's worth it at this point in the season because he could be plug and play for this offense. I, I know he's not as good as Fournette probably as a pass catcher, but uh, he's been in offense long enough. It's not like he needs any uh, you know ramping on here. He'd be ready to go right away. So uh, check out the Waiver Wire podcast for more details on that one. Um, otherwise, you know, Sterling Shepard left with a torn Achilles. Uh, it's just kind of been a sad career for him. He, he shows a lot of talent when he's out there as a slot receiver, but it's just injury after injury. And this is a major one for Sterling Shepard. Um, Teddy Bridgewater was stretchered off with a concussion. It was, it was really scary at first. It sounds like uh, things are okay for him just as a, a big picture perspective, but we'll see how long he's going to be out. And then, as I mentioned in the loser section, Julio Jones left with a hamstring injury. So uh, we don't have a ton of injuries this week. Um, but it's also been awfully hard to catch up or keep up with all these with all the COVID situations. So I think some more will come out as the week uh, goes on. So, um, yeah, let's just get into the games. It's going to be a bit abbreviated this week. Uh, make sure you check out the What We Saw article. As always, we'll have detailed write-ups on all of them. Uh, I had a bit of a light weekend watching football because I have had three holiday parties this week, this weekend. So it's the time of the year where stuff gets in the way of football, unfortunately. I've watched as much as I can. You'll hear my recap of the Bengals-Broncos game as usual. But uh, we're, we're going to keep it a little shorter this week. Uh, Mike's got a couple games he, he watched, and he's also going to focus on uh, Mac Jones and uh, Trevor Lawrence and actually Davis Mills as well. So we got some rookie quarterbacks to catch you up on, but please cubulus.com check out the, what we saw article for all the details. So um, let's, let's check out uh, the Patriots and Colts, the Saturday night game first. Uh, Mike, what did you see in this game? You're, you're mainly focused on Mac Jones, but overall, um, what do you think of this game? Yeah. So this one started pretty sloppy for the Patriots. Um, it, it really played in perfectly to the Colts hands. The Patriots had a blocked punt early. That was returned for a touchdown. Mac Jones threw a pretty bad pick where a defender jumped a route and and it led to another score. They had another interception to start the second half. Um, by the time their offense really got going, they were already in a 20 to nothing hole. And it was just like, all right, they, your offense isn't high flying enough. It's not Tom Brady anymore. You're not going to be able to come back from that. For the Colts, they really, again, just rode the defense. Their defense looked pretty excellent. Um that's a group I would just completely trust. They had tons of rushing, 39 carries, almost no passing, only five pass completions. And they ended the game with a huge Jonathan Taylor run, a 67-yard touchdown that led to a hearty debate on our our channel of uh, should he have scored or should he have fallen short so they run the clock and, you know, just take the knee. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to the interesting part, though, Mac Jones. So he's definitely been the rookie QB to watch this year. He's having the best season. He looks like he's got a great chance for offensive rookie of the year. Um, what I noticed here, he was basically attempting all short passes. The offense seemed a little bit predictable. The first pick was a route getting jumped where the defender kind of saw the short route getting cut. He cut it off and Jones didn't didn't notice the defender and you know the pick was thrown that way. Um, I saw at least one other throw where the same thing could have happened where somebody was trying to cut off a route because they noticed it was just a short breaking route. Um, as we've seen, the team is being very protective. Um, in case anybody didn't see, Peyton Manning was talking about he tried to interview Mac Jones and the team told him no. He was the only rookie QB he wasn't allowed to interview. Um, but it, it's good. I think Jones is going to develop well. He's building confidence. He's completing a ton of passes. Um, he started to pick it up towards the end of the game. Uh, they 
went on a, a bit of a scoring run in the end, 17 points in the fourth quarter. They made it actually pretty close. They kind of turned it into a game before that Jonathan Taylor touchdown iced the game. And overall, yeah, he, he's good at completing passes. He's accurate. Again, they haven't asked him to do too much, but what they have asked him to do, he does pretty well. Yeah, this was a game, uh, again, checking in for my work holiday party Saturday night. And, uh, you know, the Colts have a big lead, and I'm, like, scanning through the stats. I'm like, how in the world did they get this lead? Like, they have no offensive stats here. Uh, Then you see what was a block punt for a touchdown, and it it makes a little more sense. But um, you look through the box score, uh, the Colts ran for a lot of yardage here, 39 carries, 226 yards, but 67-yarder from Taylor, uh, 37-yarder from the receiver Ashton Doolin. Uh, so really, right, it was not that productive of a running game for most of the day. I mean, they were definitely grinding out first downs. But uh, it was kind of a defensive battle on both sides. You just got a couple uh, big plays from the Colts early on and late. And uh, pretty close overall, right? Yeah, it was a close game. If not for the, the Patriots' mistakes early, I think they would have had this one. And this was like your this is like your 1950s game where everything is just defense and slugging back and forth, low yards per carry, no passing at all. Um, it, it was, it was pretty boring. Yeah. Um, what ultimately made it was just, again, the, the Colts being opportunistic, blocking a punt, making a couple picks, doing just enough to hold on and win it. Yeah. And so, yeah, getting back to Mac Jones here. I mean, I, I kept thinking it was interesting. We still hear people talking about that new England Buffalo game and the high wind, uh, people, you know, talking about how they only let Mac Jones throw three passes, how that was an indictment on him. I, I didn't really see that, that, that game, New England was just running the ball really well and they had a lead against Buffalo and the weather was bad. And that's what Belichick's going to do. He'll run the ball 50 times if he can to win the game. So I never saw that as an indictment. Um, And they obviously let him throw more uh, yesterday on Saturday because they were losing 45 attempts. So I don't think they're afraid to let Mac Jones throw the ball, despite what some people say online. So obviously right now, Mac Jones is not a great fantasy asset. Um, It's a lot of short stuff, but do you think, we can get to that point with Mac Jones like we did with Tom Brady where he's throwing 45 times a game, but he's marching it down the field and we're getting touchdowns. Like, is there a fantasy future here for Mac Jones? Or do you think he's going to be more on the, you know, game manager perspective throughout his his whole career? Yeah, I think there's a fantasy future here. Um, it, a big part of it is going to be getting some weapons here. Right now, the only two weapons I'm, I would say are even probably you could say one weapon that's scary on this team is Hunter Henry. And then everybody else kind of filters in and out game by game. Um, they really need a number one wide receiver. I would say that's just an absolute enormous need for this team. Yeah. And if they can get somebody who's a veteran, like I think Allen Robinson would be a good grab for this team. Mm-hmm. Cause you could put him in, you know, he's reliable right away. Then you can draft someone behind him to learn. And all of a sudden you might have a scary offense. It's, it's hard to tell with Jones. I think it's, Mostly the team wanting to protect him. That's why they're so conservative. But at the same time, it's just, okay, if you are throwing to Nikhil Harry and Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers and Brandon Bolden and Nelson Aguilar, like, would you feel super confident in throwing 50 times a game? Because I, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't want Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or pick your favorite quarterback throwing to those guys. Yeah, and Kendrick Bourne's been a good story, and he's made a lot of plays, but he's kind of one of those all-around, like, good-at-everything football player-type receivers. He's he's not necessarily your number one uh, make-defenses-pay-on-a-weekly-basis receiver. So I agree with that. It's definitely a position I think they could throw uh, a couple darts at uh, in the offseason, a high draft pick, maybe second round or something, and uh, 
and a free agent. Uh, that would make a lot of sense. So, um, okay. So it sounds like Mac Jones, you, you would say going forward, pretty high floor. Uh, maybe the ceiling's not super high, but we, we do think there's a, a good ceiling there. So um, I, I think if you got him in, obviously if you got him in a dynasty league this off season, it's probably already paying dividends. He looks like he's a pro and he's going to be around a while, but uh, I, I think going forward, he's, he's definitely someone to target in dynasty leagues. Cause I mean, wouldn't you agree? I'd be shocked if he's not starting, you know, five, six, seven years from now still. Yeah. I think he, I think if you were redrafting the NFL draft today and you gave all the GMs, the uh, magical truth serum, yeah. The Mac Jones would be a, a pretty locked in top three pick. Yeah. Um, he definitely jumps Zach Wilson, in my opinion. And he most likely jumps Trey Lance. And if I'm being honest, and I'm a Bears fan, with what he's shown so far, he, he has a good chance to jump Justin Fields too. Like I think I think the Jaguars would at least have to think about Mac Jones first. And I think the Jets would be all right, locked in. That's it's Fields or Jones, and then you know the Niners take whoever's third there. Yeah, I, I think I'd still take. We'll we'll get to Fields later, uh, probably next <laughs> week or so. But I think I'd still take my chance with Fields. He's shown enough good, but it's definitely, yes. uh, yeah, it's definitely at least like a conversation now. Like, do you want to win now? Do you want to win later? Where are you at? Because there is still some development with Fields. But um, yeah, a lot of great stuff here from Mac Jones, and I, you know, it feels similar. And I don't mean this as a knock at all, but to Andy Dalton when the Bengals took him, like. Yes, long-term, the career didn't pan out for Dalton, but he was a locked-in starter from day one. Like, you could put him in your lineup and feel confident with him. A quarterback, he could run the offense, and it feels similar with Jones, and he's on a better team to develop them. So, um, should uh, should be able to see more of a ceiling than Dalton saw at times, too. So, And actually, hey, Dalton made the playoffs a lot. He just couldn't win a playoff game. So, that's, that's a whole other story. But, um, all right, anything else in this Patriots-Colts game you want to get to before we move on? Yeah, I'll say I, I think it- – Everybody wants to use the Brady comparison. I can definitely see it with Mac Jones. The thing is, we have to remember that Brady has like this all-time competitiveness and drive to be amazing. And he literally like transformed his life around football. Like his dessert is eating avocado. Right. And there, there just aren't many people in the entire world that are that committed to anything. So like, could Jones achieve that? I think it's possible. It's just going to be a matter of his drive. And if he has that same insane, like, 24 seven push like Brady does. If he does, I think he could hit a very high height. Yeah, that's a good point. And Brady, I mean, he had an ACL injury. Um, and I, I guess he has probably played through tons of injuries we didn't know about, but he has stayed on the field just constantly too. So that's another part of Brady's insanity is just, he's always out there. So yeah, Jones has quite a few things to, uh, quite a few hurdles to clear to be anywhere near Brady, obviously, but uh, similar style. And uh, you know, in this offense, he can definitely, uh, win some ball games. That's for sure. Good offensive line, good defense. That's going to help any rookie quarterback. So, um, okay. Well, I am going to break up the rookie talk a little bit. Um, let's, let's talk about the, uh, Bengals Broncos game. Uh, this was the uh, afternoon window of the Sunday games. We've got so many different, uh, time slots this week. It's hard to keep track of everything, but the Bengals gutted out a 15 to 10 win in Denver. Um, this was an ugly game. I swear three, four, five of the most boring games I've watched this year have been Broncos games. Uh, they just have a way of doing this to teams. So um, this was basically what you would think from the score in Denver. Uh, this was a lot of running for both teams, a lot of defense. Both teams seemed pretty happy to just uh, kind of run the clock out and leave this to a fourth quarter uh, decision. And nobody scored in the fourth quarter. So the Bengals held on 15 to 10. So uh, if you started pretty much anyone in this matchup, you're pretty disappointed. Uh, you know, you got a decent game out of Javante Williams, but 
Um, not a lot to go around here. I guess the highlight of the game was Tyler Boyd, five catches for 96 yards and a touchdown, but he scored uh, a 56 yard touchdown on a play action where he kind of bled back against the grain of the play and was just wide open and then juked a guy. So uh, all of Boyd's production came on one play. Otherwise, T. Higgins, two for 23. Uh, Jamar Chase, one for three, three yards. Uh, it was it was a brutal game for this Bengals passing game. They just ran it and ran it and ran it. Um, they had a couple offensive linemen out with COVID and injury issues. Their right tackle, Riley Reif, is out for the year, and that, that's going to be a serious thing. He, their backup right tackles aren't playing real well. Uh, so it was just they were, I think, afraid to let Burrow get beat up too much. They had – the game within, you know, striking distance and they just played it close to the best. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how much there is to get into the Bengals offense here. Honestly, I think these two teams are pretty similar, except the Bengals have a good quarterback and the Broncos don't honestly, like, I, I think there's some similar talent on both sides. It's just the quarterback is the difference. So, uh, I don't know, Mike, what, what questions would you have on the Bengals offense here? Yeah, not too much. I caught a little bit of this one. And honestly, my biggest surprise was that the Broncos were seven and six going into this game. Um, I, I, a couple of records this week, I guess I just hadn't really noticed. I was surprised by, and I was like, man, the Broncos have a winning record. Like, how did that happen? Like they play in a, they play in a, a division with two really good teams. Like there's no way they should have a winning record, but Hey, good for them. Uh, the defense looked impressive. I get why the the Bengals were a little bit slowed down today because the Broncos defense just felt like it was everywhere and it was playing really well. Um, it is disappointing though, to see this passing game put up such a kind of a, a blah effort. Um, I, I kind of think like I was hoping chase and a, a little lesser degree Higgins are kind of entering the bulletproof range, but not so much like this one. Yeah. This one hurt. Yeah. I think there's a couple things going on. Obviously, like I said, the, the offensive line missing a couple starters, there's not a lot of depth, uh, when the Bengals can't get the running game going, it, I think, limits some of the stuff they can do in the passing game as well. Uh, Mixon was just 17 carries for 58 yards. Uh, Burrow actually did a really good job uh, scrambling for first downs in this one, five for 25. He picked up a couple third, uh, third down conversions, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but I, I think part of it, too, for the Bengals is, hey, they're eight and six now. They're first in their division. Uh, they are cl- clearly in just do what they can to win every game mode right now. So, if they have to just throw 22 times to win a game, they're going to do it. This isn't necessarily about developing Burrow anymore. It's uh, let's make the playoffs. So, um, yeah, offensive line injury is just playing to win the game. That's what happened here. Uh, I just I would just say when it's a team that can rush the passer and the Bengals have offensive line injuries, just downgrade everyone a little bit because that's what happened here. So, uh, overall, I don't think you change a ton. It's just uh, in, in your rankings uh, – you definitely still have, I think T Higgins is kind of the clear number one here to some extent. Chase is just behind him. Um, Boyd, I still think is the three, even though this game was a little different, but uh, just, you know, when you, when you're not sure about the pass rush, that's when you knock these players down a few notches. So um, otherwise just again, another really conservative offensive game plan from the Bengals, but I think we can kind of expect that most weeks. So um, otherwise for the Broncos, (laughs) the running backs are really talented. I mean, Javante Williams, breaks so many tackles if he ever gets the lead role uh for a season he's gonna have a monster year uh melvin gordon still looks pretty good here um you know he he got just as many carries they both had 15 carries so it's still split backfield here but the passing game man it's it's rough uh bridgewater barely looked at any of the receivers uh jerry judy ends up with no catches on four targets 
Tim Patrick caught a kind of jump ball touchdown um, when Drew Locke was in the game, but, you know, three for 42 and a touchdown. Uh, Cortland Sutton, two for 12 on seven targets. Like the passing game is kind of a disaster here. Uh, so Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater left with a bad concussion. Drew Locke came in. Um, he missed like a throw that was just like basic NFL level throw that you got to hit against a big blitz on third down. He just threw it up and behind the defender. There wasn't even any reading on the play. It was like one-on-one coverage on a heavy blitz. And he just missed the throw. Like he does provide a little bit more playmaking ability. He got the big touchdown, which, you know, uh, Bridgewater did not score a touchdown when he was in the game. They only had three points, but uh, didn't look good with Locke. The whole passing game is a mess. Um, I would target tight ends against the Bengals. Uh, Albert O and Noah Fant combined for over 100 yards on eight catches. Uh, Bengals have a lot of linebacker injuries. It's catching up with them. But otherwise, it's it's just the running backs in Denver. The, the, the passing game's a mess. So um, any thoughts here on the the Broncos offense, Mike? Yeah, it, Drew Locke has always struck me as like a, a one leap forward, three leaps backwards kind of guy. Like he, he will throw some plays where the, all the Drew Locke believers, and I don't know if there's any left, but when like <laughs> when he throws that touchdown, that's like 75 yards, and they're like, look at that. That's what he's going to be. That's what he is. And then he throws like the most awful pick you've ever seen, and you're like, does he even have eyes? Like, what was he thinking? Yeah. Um, I guess my question here is with Cortland Sutton, um, he's a guy I liked before the season started, and obviously not as much anymore. Yeah. But he did have seven targets. What what was the issue here? Bad passes or was he just not catching balls or what do you think? Yeah, it's I don't know. I there weren't a lot of just like open targets for these receivers, so it was a lot of contested stuff. You know, a lot of I mean, I don't think Sutton's a huge separator anyway, you know, so it's going to be a lot of jump ball type stuff and uh the Bengals had some good defense. I mean, their their secondary's pretty good even with uh Awuzie out. So I don't know. Eli Apple had a couple nice pass breakups. He actually had a breakup on Sutton for a long touchdown in the end zone. Um, I, I think Sutton probably could have caught it a little more cleanly and had a touchdown. So kind of a half drop, half good defensive play. Uh, I was a little frustrated by CBS. They are not showing us very good replays on some of these plays. So I never got a real great angle of it. But um, yeah, Sutton could have had a long touchdown. But I do also think it was probably one of those throws that a top-level quarterback would have hit him where the defender can't break it up, um, and Bridgewater just didn't quite have the arm. So I don't know. It's just not a lot of open space for these receivers, and then Bridgewater's just not even really looking their way. Um, and they're they're just so run-heavy that when they are passing, it's like third and long, you know? It's not the best passing down, so there's just a lot going on here. Uh, I do wonder, I mean, they're literally just running first and second down every time. Like, I wonder if they're better with Locke just – if you're going to run it constantly anyway, he does give you a little bit more explosiveness. Maybe you can, I don't know, have a game plan where you just take some of the decisions out of his hands that could uh, be bad picks. Um, but there's just, I just don't see how you can be excited with this Teddy Bridgewater offense. Like even if they snuck into the playoffs, what are they going to do once they get there? So uh, this is a team that got talent. It's just, you got to drop in a new quarterback next year, in my opinion. Yeah. I think what they would do if they made it to the playoffs is, uh, probably lose to the chiefs like by 45 points and drew lock will throw like four or five picks. Um, and that, yeah, that would be what would happen. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I'm really high on Javante Williams. He's just an all around good back breaks a lot of tackles. He's not, he doesn't look like a rookie out there. Melvin Gordon looks good. There are things to like, but, um, even their offensive line, it's been pretty good this year. Trey Hendrickson though, got, uh, a sack or maybe a half sack. He drew two holding penalties as well. 
Uh, so the Bengals defensive line played well, caused them some problems. They just they couldn't get anything going in the passing game. I mean, Bridgewater, 12 of 22 for 98 yards. Drew Locke, 6 of 12 for 88. So um, they actually made a lot of plays that kept them in the game just in general. But uh, they just, I mean, if you put up 10 points at home, you're not going to win many games. So uh, it, I, this must be a frustrating team to watch as a, a Broncos fan because in the back of your mind, you just have to know there's there's not much ceiling here. There's just the offense is too limited. Um disappointing game for Jerry Judy for sure like I, I thought he at least had kind of established himself as a a decent floor PPR receiver but zero catches on four targets that that's even falling apart here so I would not look to start anyone other than these tight ends and even these tight ends are, are chopping up the work it makes it tough so start the running backs uh look the other way for everyone else in Denver in my opinion all right let's get on to uh a fun game here. Uh, at least I hope you had some fun watching it. Uh, this was the Texans against the Jaguars. First game without Urban Meyer at the helm of Jacksonville. So uh, if you're waiting for anything to change here, I, I guess it wasn't a big change overnight. Uh, Texans won 30 to 16 in Jacksonville. So Jacksonville still has some work to do. But uh, Mike, you got to watch two rookie quarterbacks here. So what do you think of Trevor Lawrence and Davis Mills? Well, let me say this is uh, this is how much I love the listeners that I watched a pair of two and 11 teams on my, my Sunday off. Yeah. Um, both. Yeah. Both just terrible teams, but the, the goal was rookie quarterbacks and this game had two of them. So you can't beat the price there. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as this one goes, it was, it was a messy game. It was actually a lot of offense early. There were scores on the first four drives, including a kickoff return for a touchdown for uh, the Texans. Um, there was a lot of heavy rain. It was kind of on and off. It was a little bit weird. Um, it just kind of went between like no weather at all. And then just like downpour and about half of the first half, about half of the second half were just pouring rain. Um, and as such, both offenses were pretty conservative. They were conservative by play call and then conservative just cause also they're both bad offenses. So they didn't really have the option to be exciting. Like, I don't know what they would have done if they wanted to be exciting. Um, We'll start with Jacksonville because, I mean, they had the 101, and come on, everybody wants to hear about Trevor Lawrence first. Yeah. Um, the big issues, he's not getting any time to work. A lot of times he's staring down pressure almost immediately. Um, the O-line was not playing well here. Again, and then once he did get time, there was just nobody open. I remember multiple times in the game where the announcers were, were talking about, you know, uh, coverage sacks. And then all his receivers were, you know, trying. Just nobody could get open. Um, when he did have a receiver, I'll say that Lawrence did not look that hot today. He overthrew some passes. He was missing some spots a little bit. Nothing was horrible. He was making good reads. But all his passes just seemed to be a little bit inaccurate. Um, and I have to wonder if part of that is just the frustration with, okay, the coach was fired and things are going terribly and this offense is a mess and Jacksonville is just kind of a big joke. And he has to wear like aqua and gold colored uniforms every week. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what I saw with Lawrence and then kind of finishing out Jacksonville with what was interesting here. Uh, James Robinson was a workhorse and I think we can expect this moving forward. Yep. So if you have him, if you've been hesitant, I think he's going to eat moving forward because it was a big point. Trevor Lawrence said he wants Robinson more involved. A lot of fans have been calling for Robinson. I think this is going to be a change, and I think I would roll full speed ahead with Robinson next week, assuming he's fully healthy. 
Yeah, I would agree. I mean, Carlos Hyde was out, but I mean, he's also the Urban Meyer favorite. Now that Meyer's gone, I, I think we can stop worrying about Hyde so much. Uh, Robinson, 59 snaps. Daria Ugunbowale had 10 snaps. So yeah, it looks good for Robinson. Um, back to Trevor Lawrence. Like I would say, I, I listened to the Athletic NFL podcast quite a bit. Um, Nate Tice on there is, is very impressed with Lawrence's like ability to read a defense, uh, handle the protection. I, I think Lawrence does a lot of things that pro quarterbacks do. Um, which is a good sign moving forward. He has a good grasp of the game in general. Uh, but yeah, it, it still hasn't quite uh, led to production on the field. And some of it, I, I think, has to do with the receivers. I mean, they're playing Laquan Treadwell, Marvin Jones, who's up there in age at this you know this point in his career. He's not as uh, much of a deep threat as he used to be. LaVisca Chenault, like it's, it's a slower, less exciting receiving core, I think. Um, so some of this is the receivers. Some of this is the line. Some of this is Lawrence missing throws. But I do think that he has the tools that you would want from a big-time quarterback. Um, hopefully, we can get a, a good offensive scheme in here next year, and that helps him a bit. Um, it's it's nice to see him actually run a little bit this game, five for twenty-one. I don't know if that was like just garbage time or what, but I've been surprised they haven't used his legs more because he's he's so athletic and talented. Um, do, do they seem like they're using that aspect of his game at all, or is just drop back passer at this point? Yeah, they do a little bit with the running. Um, Part of me wonders if they just don't want to waste him, like don't want to risk an injury because this season is just in the gutters. Um, yeah. And to your points, I'll agree. I, I I saw more good than bad with Trevor. The problems are mostly organizational. And when, when he was making, when he was a little off target, it kind of just felt to me like frustration. Like he's making a good read. He knows what he's supposed to do. There's just nobody there. It's like he's playing with like a high school team and nobody knows the offense. Yeah. And he's just sitting back there like, all right, I could just kill this defense if I just had one guy on that team who knew what he was doing. And unfortunately, it just looks like he doesn't. Like, it's just, yeah, it's 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 ugly around him. There's Robinson, and that's about it. There were a handful of drops on the team today. Treadwell, I think, had a couple. I know Robinson had at least one where he was in big open space, and it was like, ooh, he could pick up like 20 or 30. Mm-hmm. And it just puttered right off his hands. Yeah, I mean, James O'Shaughnessy, the backup backup tight end probably at this point, was the leading receiver with 60 yards on four catches. Uh, I guess it's good to see Laquan Treadwell at least get uh, nine – or no, I'm sorry, we don't want Laquan Treadwell getting nine targets. I was thinking LaVisca <laughs> Chenault. I was like, oh, at least LaVisca Chenault got nine targets. But no, that's Laquan Treadwell. So, yeah, when, when Treadwell's get, leading the way in targets, that's not a good sign. So, um, would you be excited – or not excited, maybe that's the wrong word, but would you be buying low on this offense next year, assuming – you know, they don't kind of swing and miss on the coaching staff again, or do you think this is going to be maybe a couple year process here? Yeah, I think I would be buying. Um, Robinson is tough because obviously all, all it takes is they draft a running back and all of a sudden he's worthless. Um, I think Chanel is an interesting buy. They were trying to get him involved. It seemed like they were having trouble creating space for him. Like it seemed like it was bad play calling that wasn't getting the ball into his hands in the right opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like a lot of times when he did get the ball, there was like somebody in his face immediately. And maybe that's him as a player where he's having trouble getting open, but a lot of it, again, just fit well together with, they have no good game plan. And because of that lack of game plan, nobody was really shining like they should have. Yeah. And this team will get, um, DJ Chark back. Who's at least a deep threat. Uh, you know, they'll get, um, ETN, Travis ETN, the rookie running back. He's at least explosive. We'll see how he is coming off injury. I'll get him a little bit of speed. This 
feels like a team that probably should overpay to get like a, a free agent number one wide receiver or draft one or something. They they need, I think, an alpha wide receiver one to grow with Trevor Lawrence here. So there's just nobody on the roster right now that could be that. So I, I think if they added somebody, that would be pretty interesting because uh, they could see a ton of volume. If you drop someone like Chris Godwin on this team, I mean, who else are they going to throw to? I, you could He could see a ton of work. So uh, yeah, keep an eye on that. To that, to that point, it could be a really hot market for receivers this year because you have a lot of young quarterbacks. You have a lot of guys who are looking for targets like Jacksonville. Um, and as we said just a few minutes ago, the Patriots. Like, it, I, I think there's going to be a push. I think Godwin, Robinson, whoever's on the market is going to have, you know, plenty of suitors who are just eager to throw the, throw the money down. Yeah, that's a fair point. I've, I've heard uh, early reports that this wide receiver class is another good one. So there should be some good rookie receivers coming out as well. So, yeah, otherwise, you know, um, it's the Jaguars. I, it's disappointing to hear that the line did not look good because I know they've been serviceable this year. They haven't been as bad as maybe you'd think the Jaguars offensive line would be. But uh, if they were getting beat by the Texans, that's probably not uh, a great sign. So they could probably maybe even a first round pick on offensive line. I, I would be surprised if this team did not load up on uh, offensive picks in the early few rounds this year. Yeah, I totally uh, agree. Yeah. All right. So Texans, uh, Davis Mills may not be the most uh, exciting rookie quarterback, but he's been playing and um, yeah, hey, you got to win here. Texans three wins on the year. So what do you think about Davis Mills? Uh, is he an NFL quarterback or is he destined to be like a backup quarterback? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I was impressed. I was very impressed with him. Um, Davis Mills kind of feels like he's running the Mac Jones offense where he throws a lot of short passes, a lot of quick reads to get the ball out of his hands. Um, and I think that's smart. Again, if I, if I was picking what I saw this week, Mills might've been the most impressive. Um, again, that's not a season comment or a career outlook comment, but just this week, yeah, he, I had a lot of short passes early, um, but he was hitting a high, high percent of them. I think he was like 10 of his first 11. Um, and again, he got the got the lead in the first half against a real scrappy Jacksonville team. <laughs> um, and as I said, it, he just struck me as similar to Mac Jones, like kind of asked, being asked to do the same things and succeeding in a similar way, you know, high accuracy on these easier passes. What hurt a little bit here was in the second half, once they got out of the scripted plays, it felt like he was struggling a bit more. Um, yeah. As I said, he finished, he completed 10 of his first 11 and it was like 16 of his first 18 or something like that. And then he finished 19 of 30. So the second half things got rough. He had a stretch where I think he missed like nine of 10 passes. Um, and one of those was an interception. That being said, he also had a really nice deep ball to uh, Philip Dorsett in the face of an all out blitz. So he just had the Jacksonville just charging in full speed. He stood in, <coughs> excuse me, took the hit and yeah, delivered a nice deep strike. It was, it was a great pass. Um, I'm definitely impressed. If I was the Texans, I would not be in a hurry to find another option. I think he's easily the most intriguing option they're going to have next year. Um, and yeah, I, I, that's what I'd be looking for um, with the rest of this team. The backfield is just a disaster. It was awful. It was not impressive in any way to watch. I didn't see one run that I was impressed with. Their leading rusher is Mark Ingram, who's on another roster. And if Trevor Lawrence was on the team, he would be the team's leading rusher. And that kind of tells you everything you need to know about Houston's backfield. 
Um, Brandon Cooks killed it. We talked about uh, Jonathan Taylor's play to ice the game earlier for the Colts. Cooks had a similar play in this game. He had a 43-yard touchdown at the end of the game that just kind of blew the doors off when all they really needed was a first down. Um, so he's 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 still fun to watch. He's the best target here. He's just eating up all the targets for the team. But again, it's it's Mills for some future value. It's Cooks and literally nothing else. Yeah, so Cooks goes uh, seven catches on 10 targets, 102 yards and two touchdowns. He had a 43-yard touchdown. That was on a screen, though, right? That was not like a, a deep bomb to Cooks. That was uh, a screen when they were running off the clock, basically. Yeah, it was a shorter pass. It was basically just designed to get the first down to ice the game, and he just okay. broke it. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, Cooks is – he's established himself. Every time we try to go away from him this year, he has a big game, and this is a couple in a row. So, he, I mean, he's a pretty much weekly starter at this point. It's uh, – it's, we don't always know how we're going to get there with Cooks. It's not always pretty, but he's been putting up numbers this year. And, I mean, that's got good yeah, – that's really – is a good sign for his future value too. If he's he's getting it done this year with this quarterbacking group, uh, that means you know Cooks is still just twenty eight, so he's still got some football ahead of him. And uh, I, I would say if you have him in a dynasty league, you can expect this for a few more years going forward because he's been in some really good offenses with some really good quarterbacks, and uh, this year kind of proved it was not just his surroundings. I would say. Yeah, and the other thing we know is he always gets traded. So he won't be stuck on the Texans for long. He's going to get traded to another team, and it can't be any worse than Houston. I mean, maybe they just trade him to Jacksonville just to be like, ha-ha, stinks for you. But the odds are when when he gets traded for a a first, well, not anymore, but, you know, that was always the joke. Um, Yeah, it'll it'll have a nice upside. Hey, you could talk me into uh, Trevor Lawrence and Brandon Cooks, so I'll trade him to Jacksonville. That's fine with me. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. That would be pretty good. All right. Well, anything else? A thirty to sixteen win for the Texans. Uh, they're three and eleven. Jacksonville's two and twelve. I believe that puts Jacksonville the number one pick as of right now in the draft. So that's interesting. But uh, anything else to recap this game? Yeah, it was a very Lionsy move today. That they can't. Yeah. They the Lions do everything wrong. So of course they beat the Cardinals to lose the first pick overall. Um, and yeah, Jacksonville's like, you know, D- Detroit's playing checkers while Jacksonville's playing chess. They're like, oh, we're going to lose to the Texans and get that first pick again. How about that? Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating draft if it really turns out the way everyone seems to be saying where there's not an elite quarterback uh, anywhere near the top. It's going to be curious to see how the, the first five or so picks of this draft goes. I mean, it seems like we always hype ourselves into one quarterback by the time the draft rolls around. But if we don't, um, it may just be a lot of offense linemen and pass rushers up here at the top of the draft. So. Uh, that may be a little bit disappointing for some of these teams who have a high pick this year. Yeah, it's going to hurt all the more if you're if you're one of those teams that had the chance at a quarterback and you didn't do it. So I'm thinking of Carolina and Denver really as the big two. If you're either of those teams and Fields and Jones are looking pretty good, like they've shown the promise where they could be something special. Um, both of those fan bases are coming into a draft now where their team is not going to be a contender. They're looking for a quarterback and there's going to be no options to be had. Somebody's going to overpay for the top quarterback pick and he's probably going to be a bust. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast. Like I said, um, not as many games anyway. Uh, any, any last thoughts, just any action you caught this week, uh, Mike, before we get out of here, um, general takeaways or uh, big time plays you saw anything like that? No, it's, I'm just uh, excited for the bears tomorrow night. I know the, The whole coaching staff is sick, but I'm still excited for some more Justin Fields. Want to see what he's developing into. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I still, like I said earlier, I still think there's a lot of hope for Fields. It's been a, a messy season for a few reasons for him, but um, yeah, he's got a big arm. He can run. I'll take my chances with him. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's still number two, I think, behind Lawrence. I, we'll get to Zach Wilson. I need to sit down and actually watch him. So, he'll probably be on next week. I'll um, we'll have to see what the schedule looks like because uh, it does not seem good for Wilson right now, but I'll withhold judgment until I really sit down and watch him for a whole game. So, We'll get to that next week. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, everyone. Please check out the QBList.com, what we saw article. We'll go deep into all these games. We'll be on Reddit, as always. Uh, keep an eye for the Waiver Wire podcast, probably Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. We'll have sit start at the normal time. It's a weird week, but we'll get through it. I hope you pulled out the first week of your playoffs, but probably, uh, ideally, you were just on a bye this week. So hopefully you got to enjoy this weekend. Uh, we'll be back with you next time. Thanks.